Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamishop.com. That's the A-M-A-I-Shop.com for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Hi, my name is Dr. Chanel Otley Allen, host of Caribbean Bird Stories. This is the first and only podcast that focuses on Caribbean women from all walks of life, narrating their journey of giving birth, navigating self-care postpartum, and parenting across the beautiful islands of the Caribbean and the diaspora. Caribbean Bird Stories has been and continues to provide a space for honest, non-judgmental conversations. Welcome to season three. Welcome to another episode of Caribbean Booth Stories. I think when people think about the Caribbean, they envision the most dynamic, vibrant, colorful palettes. Today's guest encapsulates this imagery. Meet Karina Darnell, a native of one of the most influential island developing states in our region, Barbados. Karina is a singer, a writer, booth and lifestyle photographer, and a fellow podcaster. Karina is one of two Caribbean women I've interviewed this season who have so masterfully scripted their experiences of pregnancy and booth. With the mission of this podcast seeking to foster a community of supportive listeners, it's imperative to have Karina share her story with us, as we are all CARICOM sisters striving to tell our story. So welcome, Karina. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. So as you may know, I'd like to ask my guests as we start to tell me a little bit about your journey to motherhood. Was it, were you thrust into it? You know, was it a school? Was it bumpy? Tell me a little bit about it. Wow. Um, my motherhood journey I wouldn't say I was thrust into it. Uh, it was always something that I knew I wanted. I, I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I always figured I would be good at it. Um, right. I didn't know there was so much to learn and keep learning, but it was it was something that I always had planned. And when my husband and I got married, you know, it was something that we said, okay, well, it's something that we want in the future, but we want to spend that whole getting to know each other time first. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, and then when I got into birth photography, when I initially started and I saw firsthand, literally firsthand, what it was like for to see a baby born and born mm-hmm. under such natural conditions, then that was the desire that I had for myself as well, too, as as I wanted to, you know, have a home birth. I wanted to to just not have any any interruptions, any interference. I just wanted a whole natural process. I, I'm more of the natural type of person anyway. Don't like right. medication, none of that stuff. Right. So for me, it just seemed like a natural a natural course of it. So um, we didn't have any issues getting pregnant or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, it was pretty much smooth sailing. Right. Um, and I know people would always talk about morning sickness and all this different stuff going on. Mine was a breeze. (laughs) That's so good to hear. That's so good to hear because, you know, people, like you say, talk about morning sickness as if it's standard, but it's good to hear that some people don't experience any of that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I could have still, I was still relatively fit. I was 
walking up and down. I mean, I, I did pack on some pounds and stuff, yeah. um, which is expected. But, right. you know, for me, it, it was just, it was relatively smooth sailing. I remember there was a time where um, I think I had one week of nausea or something like that. Nothing mm-hmm. was staying down. And I, I never used to eat English apples, the red gallon. Right, yes. I used to eat those. But somehow that was the only thing that stayed down that week. Really? And then after that, and since then, I, I eat English apples now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was the only little bout of nausea and stuff that I had. One week of it in like my eighth my eighth week of pregnancy or so and everything else was pretty much smooth sailing pretty good i could have walked anywhere i could have wear heels Mm -hmm. i could have i could have just go (laughs) well that's good but tell me something so you talked about experiencing and witnessing the booths as a booth and lifestyle photographer so how did that impact on your expectations of what your booth was going to be like um, you know, like to actually see it firsthand, I mean, um, the person who I would have photographed, she was also a friend right. and, you know, we had broached the topic cause it's still a little taboo here in Barbados, um, mm-hmm. actually documenting birth cause people don't understand that it's, it's not gory. It's not, it's, it's the beauty of the transition from, especially if it's a first time mom, you know, yeah. going from you know, being a person who was pregnant to being a mother and seeing that child for the first time. And, you know, when I was watching that, I mean, she had a moment where she was afraid, you know, and I I guess that would have been that transition moment where it's like, you didn't think you can do it. You know, mm-hmm. she was going good all the time because even she's like, Karina, you want anything to drink? You want? I'm like, right. right. <laughs> You're focusing on the wrong thing here. Um, but then you know, she had that moment where I guess her mind started to wander on all sorts of different things. And she had that moment of fear, but she had a fantastic doula and she had a fantastic midwife and they helped her to, to get her thoughts in line, get her back centered and reminded her that her body was capable of this and that she could do it. And Mm -hmm. then to like, to see where she went through that transition phase where they said, you know, that, that ring of fire, you know, and, and she is just giving everything that she has. And, and then to see that this, this little, this little baby was coming out, you know, and, and just everything just went from her face except pure joy. You know, I mean, there was a moment where I nearly forgot that I was supposed to be taking the picture. You <laughs> right? know, like, oh my gosh, I've never seen a baby be born before. And, mm-hmm. you know, she did it. She did it. It was her and her husband. Right. And she was leaning on him. It, it was just the beauty of the whole scenery. And, and to see that, you know, she had that moment where she may have thought and had doubts and stuff but she was encouraged to hold on and then to see it come through for her i was thinking wow well she can do it all right i got this down you know i know know." um and 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 you know it was just that amazing thing where the baby goes from you know coming out of her stomach passing through the water because um the baby was was a water booth and coming out to the water and then her just holding the baby, you know, and she's spending that time and seeing the vernix just being absorbed back into the skin, not being wiped off, none of that. Right, you know, just right. being absorbed back in the skin. And then the baby in a few minutes starts breastfeeding and they're still connected by the cord, right. you know? Um, 
So there was delayed cord cutting. Yes. The midwife mm-hmm. only cut that cord after it stopped pulsing. So it was like right. another five or so minutes, maybe. Um, and I, to just see that whole scene, you know, and they're uninterrupted. It's just, it was just so cool, you know? I mean, afterwards, yes, the midwife did come in and check the baby, med- did measurements and everything. Right. But they had that skin you know, and then while while mommy was being taken care of, daddy got the skin to skin with baby. And it, it was just a really beautiful thing. So, I mean, I was expecting that. <laughs> right. Okay. So, I mean, that's a good transition because you wrote a book um, yeah. entitled Give Me a Home Birth. The story, yeah. the birth story I didn't expect. Yes. Can you describe your experience then? <sighs> Well, it wasn't like that one. <laughs> um, let me start there. I guess um, having going through my own experience, being able to see other mothers give birth in a natural state, you understand the importance of mindset and support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what would have happened is, I mean, I don't want to give away too much. Um, right, of course. What would have happened for me is I didn't have that that mindset, you know, you, sometimes you go into life thinking, well, if you share what you're planning to do, you will have support. Right. And that's not always the case. And sometimes you don't realize how much um, wanting that support or needing that support can play on your psyche. So um, what would have happened with me is my family was not supportive of the whole home birth. As far as they were concerned, it's like, Oh, well, you, you know, you can go and have birth at a hospital. Who does that? You don't do that anymore or whatever, whatever. Right. And I was like, but we have a midwife here that's trained. Mm-hmm. We have doulas here that are trained. Um, yeah. But I didn't have the support. And then the work environment I was in was not necessarily the best either. Um, so while I did have like a perfect lead up um, during my pregnancy, my nine months was was pretty, right. pretty smooth. Um yeah. What would have happened after is that I did not have, I don't think I'm, I mentally had the strength to push through mm. um, at that time where the transition was coming for me. Although my doula was there, she was very supportive. Although my midwife was there and she was also very supportive. You know, there was a point where she called me one side and she's like, Karina, there's something blocking your mind and you need to right. let it go, you know, um, but so unfortunately- you were at home. Yes, I was at home. I was at home. Um, I did have my birth pool and everything okay. set up. My husband was there. He was boiling water. Right. So, and stuff. Um, you know, he was working hard, bringing water for me to drink and everything. Right. Um, so I did get some time in the in the pool and stuff. But I think mentally, mm-hmm. I, I I wasn't as strong as I thought I was. Or right. it was that I allowed other things to get in. Um mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I found out after too is like reading an amazing Gaskin's book on um, birthing. Mm-hmm. I think had I read that prior, I right. think I would have been stronger mentally because mm-hmm. I don't think people really tell you what pregnancy and what birth and what being a mother is about. People just give you a lot of gloss over things. Oh, mm-hmm. sleep on the baby sleeping and, you know, you got to eat right and you got to exercise. But they don't really dive into the reality of what being pregnant is really about how dangerous being pregnant could be at times um how scary it is Mm -hmm. how scary and alone moms feel Mm -hmm. especially after 
when the baby is born where everybody's like, oh, I want to see the baby, but nobody's checking for the mom that went through exactly. all of this. Um, so my birth story, it, it didn't go like my client's own at all. Right. But there were still a good couple of lessons that I learned. And I'm, I'm somebody that believes in everything happens for a reason, even if you don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. some, you can either choose to, you know, um, wallow in self-doubt, self-pity or what have you. And I'm not saying that there's not a time and a place for that, mm-hmm. but it's how long you stay there. Because right. at some point you got to be able to pause do your tears, do your cries, what have you. But then at some point you have to stop, dry your tears, get up, dust off and figure out what lesson did you learn and how can you move forward to help others? At least that's my premise. <laughs> yes, no, no. Um, and so tell me, so you had a healthy baby at the end of it. Yes. 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 Um, and so there was that disappointment because you didn't, ex- you know, experience what you wanted to, you know, experience. Yes. So for someone listening, because there is like proper research out there about whether it's C-section, um, disappointment, because, you know, you've had a C-section, you didn't plan to have a C-section. And I'm not saying that you had a C-section, but, you know, those are the things that after you've had a booth that you weren't expecting, you ha- now have to deal with those, that, those feelings of disappointment. How did you deal with it and how long did it take you to process the whole thing well those are two different things i would say that that i'm I'm still dealing with it because i you can't change your past you know and every once in a while i do have my moments when i'm like darn it you know um but i think that what would have helped is to to watch my little one grow you know to have that encouragement from my husband my husband is is a very very strong person um and he's been there you know there are times where i still like you know and he like having him to lean on i think is what helps me to get through it Mm-hmm. And also having a network of other moms to be able to to share with. Because what would have transpired from that is I started, I, I mean, I'm a mom now. So I started to lean on other moms to find out, okay, well, how you, and mom's close to, closer to my age. Um, right. Because I always see eye to eye, but, you know, she, she's very fantastic and stuff like that. But we're talking about 30 plus years ago. So I wanted somebody that was going through it now. And I started to talk to some other ladies and realized that some of them went through the same disappointment I did. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of them had natural births, but the place that they had it wasn't where they wanted. So they had different levels of disappointments, different levels of expectations that didn't come through. And Mm -hmm. so what ended up happening is we formed a, a small WhatsApp group where we shared different things. Sometimes it would be like, okay, um, dealing with the child is not going to sleep or dealing with not wanting to breastfeed or others are breastfeeding and what tips and tricks, you know? So we started to just share ideas and piggyback off of each other when things were starting to get rough. So like all of us pretty much had children in the same, around the same time, Um, some, some had children that were a bit older or would have had two or three. And mm-hmm. so they were able to help us to remember not to pull out our hair and that, you know, <laughs> we will all get through this. Yeah. But I think 
having that mom's that mom support group would have helped along with with Alex as well. Yeah, right. And in the immediate postpartum period, were there any challenges you didn't foresee? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please share with us. So, babies, yeah. wow. Babies don't care what else you're doing. They no. really don't care. They're like, I'm hungry, feed me. I'm sleepy, do something to comfort me. You know, right. my pamper is dirty. Then as soon as you change that pamper, it's like they go and do something in it. Again. <laughs> you know, and you're like, or they have air, you know, because babies can't talk. Yeah. So you have to, to learn. I had to learn to differentiate Christ. Oh, that one means you have actually um dirtied up your pamper okay this one means that you might have air and i need to burp you again or yes. uh, <laughs> just children do not come with a manual and mm-hmm. each child is different yeah. and it was just it was just the sheer amount of it and people telling you sleep when the baby sleeps huh how do you yeah. sleep when the baby sleep when the baby's sleeping i don't get to clean up the dishes or i don't get to to read a book for the first time in i don't know how long and yeah. i didn't realize too because you know people will tell you all of these good fantastic things about babies but there are some times where you've changed the pamper you've birthed the child you've fed the child you've hugged the child and played with the child you've signed to the child you've done everything and the child is still looking at you bawling your eyes out you know and it's like <laughs> what's next yeah, yeah. you know life. you don't realize as much as you love them you mm-hmm. know um People will people will try to sugarcoat it and make it seem like it's all a bed of roses, but there are some days where you've just gone through everything you've gone through. Your whole body, your whole system has changed. You're not trying, at least for me, I'm trying to figure out who's this person in the mirror because my body clearly did not look like that before this child <laughs> came along. Yeah. You know, and it's like you're dealing with that, coming to terms with who you are now, trying to find back your place in this world as not just being a mom but trying mm-hmm. to figure out how to be a mom to a child who cannot communicate with you other than to cry. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're feeling overwhelmed because you don't want to fail this little person. You don't want to let this little person down. But mm-hmm. at the same time, the back of your head is screaming, but you need a minute. Yes. You, know, you don't know how to take the minute because mm-hmm. you feel like I'm supposed to be always doing this. You know, sometimes, and I remember times where I forgot to eat, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I was like, oh yeah, I need to take a shower. But then as soon as I'm going to, she starts crying and it's like, you know, yeah. and like I said, talking to the ladies in the group, when one lady said, Karina, you need to learn a one hand trick. I'm yeah. like, huh? It's like the one hand trick. The child needs to eat. Okay, fine. Latch her onto your boob. Take your other hand and start eating. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's the no. only way to You know, that's and, so true. Yeah, you start to come to a place where you realize, okay, you're not being insane. It's not all in your mind, but you just need a minute to just to just breathe. To just yeah. breathe, you know? And you have to give yourself grace too, because I mean, we all kind of have this perfect view because of what society has told us that okay, when the baby's feeding, you're feeding the baby, you're bonding, you're you know, latching, looking. But the reality is, yeah, you can eat while the baby's eating. That's yeah. not the perfect, most ideal scenario probably not but it gets food in you and it gets food in the baby yeah. and everybody's happy so yeah good words good words of advice <laughs> <laughs> um and so since that very first birth experience you've had subsequent children correct 
Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> and how that been? Have, have you, has that replaced that first experience or? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll you explain. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Each mm-hmm. of my, you know, when people say each pregnancy is different. Yeah. They were not lying. That mm-hmm. that has been true to T for me. I I mean, with with my first two, um, like I said, the whole not having any nausea, none of that would happen. Like with my second one, I had that nausea in like week nine. So right. it's not week eight. This time I had it in week nine. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay. And then it, it just quickly went away. Um, there wasn't no introduction of anything else though. So I was still on the apples and stuff. Um, but again, we pretty much went textbook all mm-hmm. the way through. There was no oh, anything no um, except for when it came to do it's, it's like, I am good during pregnancy. It's my deliveries that I have not mastered. <laughs> um, so everything was going, going really well. And then the delivery, the delivery actually landed me in hospital for a couple weeks. Um, but we're both good. We're both good. Um, that experience though, funny enough, I actually like that experience on, on a wholesome, um, plane. I like that experience better than my first experience. And I say that because at least, um, this time I knew, I kind of knew, okay, what to expect. I knew how my Mm -hmm. body was feeling. I mean, we had a bit more stretching and turning <laughs> that I was expecting, you know, and then it's dealing with dealing with the little one and pregnant, you know, like my first mm. one, she, she was like, mommy, I want to lift up. And I'm like, I want to lift her up, but in all fairness, I shouldn't lift her up, you know, because I'm big pregnant now and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think that experience pulled my family and I a bit closer Um, I think that did pull us a bit closer. And I think that, you know, knowing what it was and what was going on, it still ended up well in the end. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was just, it showed me that I I was a lot stronger than I thought. Um, So despite having to go to the hospital. Despite having to go to the hospital. Oh, I did not want to go to the hospital, but, you know, um, and then my my third one though that's where we actually thought we were going to be getting a boy this time oh. she was completely 360 um i had sciatic nerve pain with her i had wow i mean still no nausea right <laughs> okay um i actually think about week 7 for only like 2 days did i have like an upset stomach or something Right. I was like, okay, so we going down the same road. Right. I started getting nerve pain, and there were times I literally could not walk. Um, So it was a different kind of pregnancy with her altogether. Um, But you know, I I still think the first one. Well, all three of them have their own place, and each three, all three of them have etched in. Um, but right. like I told my first girl, you're the one that made me the mummy, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> um, I think hers will always be the one that really set the stage kind of for everything else and, mm-hmm. and started to show me that I had strength within that I didn't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so how much do you think about your own physical health now? I mean, you've had three babies. Um, what are their ages? Um, well, the oldest is five, going mm-hmm. on 15. But <laughs> <laughs> the oldest is five. Um, the second girl, she's two. And the youngest one is still a baby. So mm-hmm. um but hers, hers was a different story. Um, I'm actually going to be writing their birth stories. Oh, nice! Like I can't, I can't leave them out. No. Um, yeah, and I'll definitely get those details because I want to put the details in the show notes because I want my guests to support. Um, so I know I've read on Amazon as well. You have great reviews for your first book, so definitely we're going to put the links in the show notes. Um, for for our guests and listeners to to kind of grab their copy. Yeah. Um, Mentally, I would, that's how I started about painting actually, because mm -hmm. I needed those moments because a lot of people focus on just the physical health. But as I said, with my first girl, I realized how much I needed to make sure my mental health was was Mm -hmm. all together. So I started about painting and I guess um, writing her story was also very therapeutic for me as well too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, things like that I would, I would do, um, yeah. Okay. And so on one of your IG profiles, um, you state that the Balancing the Hats podcast was created during COVID, right? Yes. I really like that name. Um, <laughs> tell me how you've been able to manage or balance your time wearing the many hats that you do. <laughs> Helen. Well, um, yes, it was started during COVID. I mean, all of us were home. All of us were Yes. So I just needed, I needed an outlet for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it started. And I love to talk, which is something that I say often. (laughs) I I do love to talk. So, and I wanted to meet people across the world in a quick and easy way that could still happen and still make that connection, even though we couldn't travel. Right. And so that's where that started. And I wanted to find out from other moms. And then I realized I wanted to find out from other dads. And then I wanted yeah. to find out about other photographers and Correct. everything. <laughs> it just kind of branched into that. And I remember one of the first ones I had to was three things you wish you knew as a parent, as a mom, a dad, you know, and it just kind of sparked off from there. And then it, it brought to light for me too, like, how do I, like how you ask, how do I manage to balance my hat? And I think that it's realizing that everything can't be priority one. And I think that's where my issue started at the very beginning. It was like, I needed to do all of these different things. Mm-hmm. But what I started to do and what I'm getting a bit better at is I would say, okay, these three months are podcasting and, you know, my usual being a mom, being a wife, being me. Um yeah. And then these other three months, I'll focus on more the photography or more of the writing. So I started to settle little blocks. And even one of my guests that I would have had, um, she called it stacking and blocking. Yeah. So it ended up being something like that for me where I I carved out time. But then I had to be mindful of the fact that I have to be able to pivot. Flexible. Yeah. Going to send you curveballs. Life is going to change things. You might have it planned that, okay, Monday, I'm going to do this, 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 this. And Monday comes and you get nothing done. And it's, and it's okay. You know, um, one of the other things I, I came up with uh, recently, especially going into the experience I have with my last daughter, 
is it's okay to not be okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to not have everything going according to plan, you know, but what can you learn from it? So I just started to section out my time a bit mm-hmm. better and to to just focus on the things that I needed and which ones I wanted to be priority on that day. And mm-hmm. sometimes priority on that day is doing nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. You know, not out of bed, just just not doing anything. And so, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. I like, I really like that. So what would be your number one recommendation for, um, for an expectant mom listening right now? What's your top lesson you think, or recommendation for her? Um, I would say know you and know what it is you want for you. Um, some women are doing it alone. Some are doing it with partners. Some are doing it with their family support or not supporting. By the end of the day, you have to know what's right for you and what's right for your body. So if you're feeling like there's something you're unsure about and you want to ask a question, you know, go to a reliable source. You might not have a midwife or you might, or you might have a doula or you might have your doctor or somebody ask them a question and get good guidance. Um, do not spend too much time on Google. Okay. Yes. Google is not your friend during pregnancy. Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, but if you have a great network of friends that you can piggyback a question off of and what's not, then sure, by all means. But n- listen to yourself and determine for yourself what it is that you want for you and your baby and start to visualize it mm-hmm. and just keep focus on that. Try to exclude all the noise that's around you and just focus on you and connecting with you and that little one that's growing and just focus on happy, healthy, and whole. And that's it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Karina. (laughs) Um, I like to ask my guests to choose a song that (laughs) best describes their journey, whether it's pregnancy, delivery, labor, the whole process. Have you been able to come up with a song or songs that oh. maybe? <laughs> <laughs> I I would say I would more have a slogan. Um, okay. We'll do slogans. Um, and the slogan will be Nike's. Just do it. Just do um, it. Just do it. Because you know, once you've made that decision to become a mom, mm-hmm. it, there's really no going back from that. Mm-hmm. And there's only looking ahead, looking forward, and it is one of the the most beautiful journeys you can embark on. Yeah. I will not lie. It has its challenges. There will be moments where, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, you want to pull your hair out. Yeah. But watching a little person that was part of you on the inside of you, not being on the outside and growing, mm-hmm. you know, you're seeing a little mirror of yourself. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's just the most amazing thing. So yeah, just, you know, if you decide that this is the time for you, Mm-hmm. Go ahead, just do it and, and just be willing to to dance with the punches, roll with the punches and, and keep moving forward and do it. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> so we've never done slogans. You're the first slogan. Thank you. <laughs> but yes, Karina, um, just thank you for your insightful words and sharing your experience with us. And like I said before, we're going to put in the show notes how our listeners can grab a copy of your book um, where they can hear more about your story and how you manage the disappointment, the changes, the joy and everything that's associated with um, 
pregnancy and birth and delivery. So I don't know if you want to say anything else to close off. Um, I just want to thank you for having me. And I really hope that anybody, any expectant moms who are listening, that you all have a safe and happy and healthy delivery. Yes, great. (laughs) And all the best with Balance in the Hats podcast and all your many endeavors. Uh, You know, just great success. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. You're most welcome. (laughs) Caribbean Birth Stories has been brought to you by the Amai Birth Collection. Head over to theamaishop.com. That's the A-M-A-I shop.com for special offers and to learn more about the Amai family. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd be grateful if you could leave a review about what you're loving on this podcast and be sure to tune in every Tuesday for new episodes. 